welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern, Spooky, and Infernal. Today we're going a little out of our territory to talk about something that is definitely spooky and very interesting. Well, out of our territory by the South. (laughs) I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. And we'd like to invite you to our Facebook page and leave us some comments and likes. Feel free to check out our Instagram. Also, Patreon. Patreon. At this point in time, we would like to say... Happy New Year! Happy New Year! (laughs) We hope you had a good Christmas and that, that you survived the fabulous blizzard that we had here in the U.S. The the entirety of the U.S. got hit by that thing. Well, where we are, it just got cold. We had nights that got down to 16 degrees, which if you're not from around here, that may not sound like a lot. For us... So cold that our heater could not keep up. For us, if it gets much below 40 Fahrenheit, mind you, we kind of whine a little bit. Especially those of us who have never lived anywhere else. Tony at least has lived in Ohio. Yeah. So, today, we're going up north for no reason other than Tony finds this topic fascinating. I do. And he's actually been there. Yep. Three or four, three times, I believe. And so the southern part of the show is just us. Yeah, yeah. We are the southern in the southern fried spooky. Indeed. So I'll be going over the factual, historical, Mm -hmm. and slightly dry stuff while we... And I'll let Tony recount his actual experience. So what are we talking about? We are talking about Centralia, Pennsylvania. Which amuses me because I have family from Centralia in Kansas and it didn't hit me for a long time that, you know, a lot of states have share names of towns. So yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, there's nothing that interesting in Centralia. I mean, it's a lovely place, but in Kansas, it, nothing's on fire. Reading over the script and everything, I found myself wondering, does Chuck know anything about Centralia? Because he is from Pennsylvania. I'm going to have to assume so. I I mean, you can't live in that state and not know about that, surely. Yeah, well... Um, we'll ask him when we... Okay, no, I have heard of people... In Pennsylvania, when you mention it, they're like, wait, what? And then you go, the city that, oh. you'll get into it, and they go, oh, that place. I didn't know that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to ask later on. Yeah. So, if you haven't heard, Centralia is this unfortunate city that is, well, it's on fire. Yes, and will burn for a long time. So beneath the borough of Centralia, Pennsylvania, burns a coal seam fire, mm-hmm. a blaze that has been alight since about May, late May in 1962. Yes. It burns in an underground abandoned coal mine at depths of up to 300 feet. That's 90 meters for anybody outside the U.S. Over an 8 mile. That's... 13 kilometers for anybody outside of the U.S. <laughs> Stretch of 3,700 acres. And that is 15 kilometers. I, I guess. I think so. Now, at its current rate, you would think it would burn out at some time. It's expected to burn for the next 250 years. And it's slowly spreading. So, yeah, this is. I feel that this is a terrible waste of resources. Mm-hmm. So, how did it get to be that way? Well, I suppose we should start with the fact that this the subterranean blaze... Okay, the city itself is not on fire. The underground is on fire. A- everything under the city is on fire. That's why when you walk into it, it's just flat. <laughs> the blaze has turned this little mining community into an utter ghost town. By Quite 20... literal. Yes. By 2017, the population had dwindled to a mere five residents mm-hmm. from around 1,500 at the time the fire is believed to have started yeah and most of the buildings have been raised or torn down not lifted <laughs> it's the template for the haunted village in the game silent hill no, the, the city right 
It's been called the most haunted town in America. <sighs> but is it? No. <laughs> it's not. And, and what do you say about it when people say that? People claim that Centralia is the most haunted city in the U.S. It's not. Nobody died from this fire. At all. I think there was one. He didn't even die. He suffered smoke inhalation and then got transported to a hospital in Pittsburgh or something and survived the ordeal. Hmm. We'll, we'll be talking about the, this part later. So, Centralia has the exact number of ghosts a town its size would have anyway. Yes. Because this was not like a holocaust that hit them and killed yeah, everybody. It's, it's not like all, all of a sudden everybody just suddenly died. If anything, Centralia is lonely and it's sad. And I think the first time I actually saw it is I think um, Grim Life Collective on YouTube did a visit. Mm -hmm, they did. And it was, uh, at that point I think they still had the street that's all painted. It's fascinating. Yeah, the, the graffiti highway, which is covered by dirt now. That's kind of They sad. just covered it with mounds of dirt. Rude. Okay, so back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. In 1842, Centralia's land was bought by the Locust Mountain Coal and Iron Company. Alexander Ray, a mining engineer, moved his family in and began planning a village, laying out streets and lots for development. I guess this is how you build a city. Yeah. He named the town Centerville, but in 1865 changed it to Centralia because there was already a Centerville. And the Mine Run Railroad was built in 1854 to transport coal out of the valley. Exactly. As one expects. Yeah. The Wall Street Crash of 1929, we're skipping ahead a little bit here, yeah. resulted in the Lehigh Valley Coal Company closing five of its Centralia-based mines. Bootleg miners... Those are miners who don't belong to a consortium. So they're just kind of doing it on their own? Yes. Would extract coal from coal pillars left in... I don't know a lot about mining. <laughs> in mines. Left in mines to support their roofs. This, I, I, So I guess you mine it out, but you leave some structural mm -hmm. load-bearing bits. Well, yeah, you, le you leave most of the structural integrity alone. You mine what you can and just leave the rest. <laughs> For some reason, this suddenly reminds me of... Did you ever see Paint Your Wagon, where like the mining a was such that the entire ago. town just collapses into a... Yeah, a yeah. long time ago. Okay, if you want to know, it's a Clint Eastwood musical. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so they're mining in the pillars that are supposed to support, I guess, the roof of the mine. Yeah. Which, as could possibly be anticipated, the technique caused the collapse of many of the idle mines. and. Mm -hmm probably gives any OSHA rep the vapors. Come with me and you'll be in a world of OSHA violation. Take it also further complicated the prevention of the mine fire in 1962. Mm -hmm. Coal mining continued in Centralia until the 1960s when yeah. most of the companies shut down. The rail service ended in 1966. Though they left the tracks. Like when we were there you could actually see the tracks. I kind of feel like a lot of places when they shut down railroads and such, they just, I guess it's just easier to leave the railroad than try to dig it out. One would expect that you would pull up that usable steel and use it in something else. I, I mean, yeah, but I guess it also depends on how firmly it's in there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you see unused railroads and bridges and just bits of railway everywhere. So I'm guessing it must just not be efficient. Yeah, probably not. Because you'd have to pay someone to do that. I don't know. Yeah. Things about infrastructure I know not. So, on May 7th, 1962, mm -hmm. 
The Centralia Borough Council met to discuss the approaching Memorial Day and how the town would go about cleaning up the Centralia landfill. Which was sort of outside of Centralia. It's like on the outskirts. You know, you don't want to build a, a landfill dead in the middle of the oh, city. Oh, no, no. I'm just thinking of, this is the big Memorial Day s- celebration. Let's go clean the landfill. Right. Which kind of also defeats the purpose, but okay, whatever. The 300 foot wide, 75 foot long. That would be... What, 91 meters and 23 meters. Pit yeah. <laughs> was a 50 foot deep. Uh, 15 meters. I love your our European translator. Strip mine that had been cleared in 1935. And that would be 1935. <laughs> and came very close to the northeast corner of Oddfellows Cemetery. Yes, I've been to that cemetery. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Now, there were eight illegal dumps spread about Centralia and the council had every hope that the creation of a landfill would curtail the illegal dumping. Right. Trustees at the cemetery were not thrilled about the landfill's proximity. They did, however, recognize the illegal dumping as a serious problem and also expected that the new pit would resolve that. Yeah. I mean, granted, I can't... I don't know that the inhabitants of a graveyard would have much to say, but I could see how other people would be like... Why does it smell weird over here at Grandma's grave? (laughs) Pennsylvania had passed a precautionary law in 1956 to regulate landfill use in strip mines, as landfills were known to cause destructive mine fires. The law required a permit and regular inspection for a municipality to use such a pit. Yes. I'm sure this part is fascinating. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is giving a little backstory as to how this is a massive cluster... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the entirety of the story is just one collective up. I will say a great southern phrase for this, for anyone who doesn't know, is goat rodeo. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a damn goat rodeo. <laughs> so, George, I don't know how to say this, Cigaritas? Cig- it's a cool looking name. Yes. A regional landfill inspector who worked for the Department of Mines and Mineral Industries. That sounds like that's someone who should be a dwarf. (laughs) D-M-M-I. Can you imagine putting that into your name? Became concerned about the pit when he noticed holes in the walls and the floor because of the bootleg guys. Yeah. As such, mines often cut through older mines underneath. Cigaritus informed the council that the pit would require filling with an incombustible material such as a layer of clay. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. It's like, if you're going to put something down there, you want to make sure it's not flammable at all, or at least a little bit, like, retardant. <laughs> Let's stuff it with cotton. <laughs> like, it, no, nothing that's going to burst into flame. Yes, yes. Well, I know that um, compost tends to self-heat. Do we know if landfill tends to just spontaneously combust? That's why they usually separate the organic from the inorganic. Oh, okay. And they kind of wall that stuff off. Again, I don't know much about landfills. I'm not sure why you do. (laughs) So the Centralia Borough Council hired five members of the volunteer fire company to clean up the town landfill. You've been a volunteer firefighter. As for knowing about landfills and stuff, my grandfather was a city planner in Pahokee, Florida. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. Can you imagine as a volunteer firefighter being asked to clean up a town landfill? Is that ever an extra duty you had to take on? (laughs) No, those are usually civil servants. That's like, that's not us. Usually it's one of those things of, we fight fires and help medical emergencies, not pick up your junk. 
Well, in this case, they were setting fires. I guess, you know, this is the 60s, and as we down here say, it's also the North. Who knows what they're up to? Nobody, <laughs> I don't, nobody does control burns on trash anymore, or at least not to the, like, wide level. of People do it in their, in their yards and stuff, but yeah. not to the level of an entire city doing it. Not as far as I know. There may be some people who still do it, but... Maybe this is why. Yeah. So on May twi- May 27th, Woohoo! 19... Which is the yes. day before my birthday. How special you are, but not in 1962. No. The firefighters set the dump on fire and let it burn for some time mm-hmm. and then doused the visible flames at night. However, the flames apparently came back. I guess they were not entirely it doused. It happen. Oh, yeah. Um, they were seen again on May 29th. Another attempt was made to douse the fire that night. Yeah, but... Another flare-up. This just kind of goes back... It's like, just... Con- it's it's a back and forth. Yeah. Um, this was hosed down on June 4th. A bulldozer stirred up the garbage so that the firemen could douse concealed layers of the burning waste. Mm-hmm. A few days later, a hole as wide as 15 feet... Uh, that's 4.6 meters. ...and several feet high was found in the base of the north wall of the pit. That's several meters. <laughs> It is possible that this hole led to the mine fire, as mm-hmm. it provided a pathway to the labyrinth of old mines under the burrow. Evidence indicates that, despite the efforts of the firemen every other day, mm-hmm. the landfill continued to burn, and even then, the Centralia Council still allowed the dumping of garbage into the pit. Yeah, so it's just like, oh, you know, we'll smother it. Yeah, smothering doesn't work. Is, okay, is that just, is there a difference between smothering and, like, effectively putting it out, or is smothering just a technique for putting it out? Um, it depends on what you're smothering. Well, in this case, um, a landfill? <laughs> There's probably quite a bit of, like, flammable things in that landfill, i.e. clothes, you know, plastic bags, stuff like that. No no amount of spraying a hose on it for a little while is going to stop it from burning. Is it just the underlayers of embers that's just constantly yeah, going to be a like, problem? It's all the embers that are protected from all that junk on top of it. And not to mention when you spray and all that ash is built up, it creates this like layer of mud over the top of those embers, and they just constantly burn. This is why whenever we would have a fire, I would pour water on it, stir it up, pour water on it more, stir it up, you know? You would Okay, I would think, non-firefighter people would think that the layer of mud would tend to cut off the oxygen supply and and, and smother the fire. One Obviously, would, it does not. <laughs> one would think, but that's usually not the way it works, especially when it comes to things like peat moss. Probably, but I don't know that that's what's in the landfill. Well, we well, I mean, peat moss grows pretty much everywhere. And, oh, okay. and in Florida, we have this, what they call is a muck fire, and it is the soil beneath the, the top layer of soil that is burning. In the marsh area? Everywhere. Or swamp areas, yeah. Like I I've mean, heard of that. Yeah, you you like we would go out there with rakes and rake up the yard and then spray it down, rake up more, spray it down, rake, and that's what you got to do because it's not the top layer that's burned; it's the bottom layer that's burning. Now, here's another potential idea, since no one's really really sure. Yeah. By contrast, other sources that I have not cited here claim that the fire had started the previous day when a trash hauler dumped hot ash or coal discarded from coal burners into the open trash pit. See, this is what this is the one that I have heard. Oh, really? Yes. The author of, and this is a great name, The Day the Earth Caved In, noted that Borough Council minutes from June 4th, 1962, referred to two fires at the dump, and that five firefighters had submitted bills for fighting the fire at the landfill area. Dumb question. Do firefighters have to submit something to say, we're going to put this fire out first? Not anymore. Ah, oh, the 60s. <laughs> 
The borough, by law, was responsible for installing a fire-resistant clay barrier between each layer of the landfill, but fell behind schedule. I was about to say that should have been done. Leaving the barrier incomplete, and not to trash the Centralia, Centralia specifically, but that kind of sounds just like any bureaucracy anywhere. This is what was supposed to happen, but we kind of, you know... Mucked it up, yeah. Didn't get to it in time, whatever. So the Centralia Council sent a letter to the Lahai Valley Coal Company, LVCC, which that really looks like some sort of Roman numeral, mm-hmm. and now I'm trying to figure it out, as formal notice of the fire. So they had to send a letter saying, Dear Sirs, something's on fire. Yeah. In the letter, the borough described the starting of a fire, uh, quote, of unknown origin during a period of unusually hot weather. End quote. It's speculated that the town council concluded that it would be easier to get help from the LVCC if they were uh, to obscure the true origin of the fire. Again, bureaucracy. Great. So yeah. is this still stuff you had heard about before? Yep. A meeting was held on August 6th. This now keep like in mind, this, later, is, right? this, is like, this is like two and a half weeks later, yeah. At the fire site, which included officials from the LVCC, and the Susquehanna Coal Company. Yeah, okay, my friend Chuck might have heard of that because he and his friends were from the Susquehanna um, area. Okay. I remember that because it just strikes me as an odd-sounding place. Kind of like our sesquicentennial. Anyway, yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> Deputy Secretary of Mines, James Schober Sr. What a title. Again, it sounds like it should be a dwarf in D&D or something. Right. Expected that the representatives would inform him that they could not afford mounting a project that would stop the mine fire. Therefore, Schober announced that he expected the state to finance the cost of digging out the fire, which at the time was around $30,000. Uh, equivalent of like $269,000? As of 2021. Yeah. We can't afford to put out the fire, so... <laughs> right. At the time, state mine inspectors were in the Centralia area mines almost daily to check for lethal levels of carbon monoxide. Mm-hmm. So I guess they're like, well, it's on fire. I guess we should see how dangerous it is. Pull out the birds. Which we reached lethal levels on August 9th, and all Centralia area mines were closed on August 10th. Now, by 1979, 79, as opposed to 62... Locals became aware of the scale of the problem when a gas station owner, then Mayor John Coddington, inserted a dipstick into one of his underground tanks to check the fuel level. Yep. And when he withdrew it, it was hot. As in almost boiling. He lowered a thermometer into the tank on a string and was shocked to discover that the temperature of the gas in the tank was 172 Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's 77C. Which I'm thinking for gas is probably not safe. No! Well, keep in mind, with gasoline, it's the vapors that burn, not the, the liquid itself. Well, that's true. And also, Thanks, Hollywood. It, it does require an open flame. Like an or ignition. a spark of some sort, yes. So, we have not exactly sure where the fire started. Mm-hmm. Firefighters trying to fix it. People going, we need to fix this, and the city going, nah, it'll wait. Yeah, or the city going, well, we can't really afford to yet. Okay. So now, many years later, people are starting to notice that, hmm, it's a little warm here. So statewide attention to the fire began to increase. Now, granted, this is obviously before internet, and probably this was just town gossip and local papers. It was like early 80s, 80, 81, something like that. Well, at this point, we're, yeah, we're just gotten to 1981. On Valentine's Day, 1981, okay, here's the person we were talking to. 
talking about a 12 year old named todd dumboski fell into a sinkhole uh, four feet by 150 feet deep that is 1.2 meters by 46 meters which suddenly just opened up beneath his feet in the backyard his cousin 14 year old eric wolfgang pulled dumboski out of the hole and saved his life yeah the plume of hot steam billowing from the hole was tested and found to contain a lethal level of carbon monoxide Mm -hmm. now i had read somewhere i thought he had succumbed to that experience but um maybe not no as far as far as i've ever read he did survive the incident he did have burns on his legs no doubt and he suffered from carbon monoxide poisoning And, you know, in this day and age, he'd probably need serious therapy. Yep. That would be just a nightmare thing, just being outside playing and all of a sudden plummet. Mm Mm-hmm. So, although although there was physical, visible evidence of the fire, residents of Centralia were bitterly divided over the question of whether the fire posed a direct threat to the town. I'm going to say that this sounds incredibly stupid, except for having just gone through COVID, we know that a lot of people are like, yeah, but how bad is it really? So, yeah, that, that kind of doesn't surprise me now. And they usually will argue that point until one of their own, i.e. a family member, succumbs to certain things. Like a really big hole. Yeah. <laughs> or, or not being able to breathe, or what, I don't know. Sorry, a little bit of bitterness here. In The Real Disaster is Above Ground, Steve Kroll-Smith and Steve Couch identified at least six community groups, each organized around varying interpretations of the amount and kind of risk posed by the fire. I guess they're studying it. In 1983, the U.S. Congress allocated more than $42 million for relocation efforts. Yep. So now we've gotten to the point of, well, it's kind of dangerous. Maybe we'll just move now since well what it is is since the city and the state are not doing anything about it the government has to step in and go y'all are messing up (laughs) nearly all the residents accepted the government's buyout offers more than a thousand people moved out of the town and 500 structures were demolished yeah they couldn't afford to stop the fire but this is (laughs) right this is good by 1990 the census recorded 63 remaining residents yes by 1992 Do you have any interjections at the moment? Not so far. Pennsylvania Governor Bob Casey invoked eminent domain on all property in the borough, condemning all the buildings within. Which means the state is now taking it over. Yeah, because it's just sort of hazardous for it to exist. Yep. Basically, eminent domain, as I understand, is anyone who didn't actually take a buyout, the government's just saying, okay, this is ours now, and we're condemning it, so you better go, because we're going to knock down your house. They had to condemn an entire city. Which really sucks. A subsequent legal effort by the residents to overturn the action failed. I mean, and I can't say as I blame them, ultimately, if someone just came along and said, you have to go, we're going to knock down your house, you might be a little peeved. In 2002, the U.S. Postal Service discontinued Centralia's zip code 17927. Only 16 homes were still standing by 2006, which was reduced to 11 by 2009. I'm sure they all were like, this is some kind of terrible murder mystery. Like, And then there were one. Yeah. When Governor Ed Rendell began the formal eviction of the remaining Centralia residents, only five homes remained by 2010. The Centralia Mine Fire extended beneath the village of Burnsville, that's spelled with a B-Y-R-N, though it is kind of hilarious, a short distance to the south and required it also to be abandoned. You don't really hear about that one, though. Oh, no. It's just the reason you hear about Centralia the most is because there are still parts of Burnsville there. Uh, yeah, and Centralia, there's like a church and two buildings left. Most of the abandoned buildings have been demolished by the 
Columbia County Redeve Redevelopment Authority or reclaimed by nature. At a casual glance, the area now appears to be a field with a, many paved roads running through it. Some areas are being filled with new growth forest. The remaining church in the borough, St. Mary's, holds weekly services on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It has not yet been directly affected by the fire, and the town's four cemeteries, including one on the hilltop that has smoke rising around and out of it, are maintained in good condition. Well, one of the one of the reasons why, and we learned this while we were there, one of the reasons why the church is still there is it sits on a hill. Like, you have to walk up steps to get to the church, but apparently that hill is an old boulder, like a very huge boulder. So it's solid and not going to So sink. it is very solid. It's not going anywhere. If anything's going to drop, it's going to be the boulder. So... And also, I guess that means, I, I don't, I, this is chemistry, but I imagine that any lethal levels of carbon monoxide are lower, like you're you know, above that. Does that make sense? No. Is it safer air quality somehow no, up on the boulder? No, no. <laughs> then uh, why are they still going? One of the, okay, there are, as, you'll drive, as you're driving through Centralia, you'll notice that there are, looks like steel pipes sticking out of the ground. Mm -hmm. These are vents. Oh. And that's where the carbon monoxide is being vented in specific areas away from, you know, where people might be. Okay. The only visible indications of the fire, which underlies some 400 acres. Mm -hmm. Are you going to give the translation? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's um, 160 hectares, I think. Yeah. It Spreading along four fronts are low. Okay, here we go. Are low round metal steam vents in the south of the border. Burrow. Several signs warn of the underground fire, unstable ground, and dangerous levels of carbon monoxide. Mm -hmm. Additional smoke and steam can be seen coming from an abandoned portion of the Pennsylvania Route 61, the area just behind the Hilltop Cemetery, and other cracks in the ground scattered about the area. Yep. Route 61 was repaired several times until it was closed. The last remaining house on Locust Avenue was demolished in September 2007. Which, uh, if had you seen the old highway before, before they covered it with dirt, you could see where it was literally splitting in the middle, mm -hmm. and there were cracks everywhere. Trees had fallen into these cracks, well, and the trees were bleached and burning. That's horrifying and fascinating. Yeah, I kind of don't know if we want to like just talk about like the natural habitat that is happening there now, or save that till later. Well, I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little while. Go ahead. Alrighty, continuing on. Mm-hmm. In May 2009, the remaining residents, I don't know who's left at this point, mounted yet another legal effort to reverse the 1992 eminent domain claim 2010. Only five homes remained, as I mentioned before, as state officials tried to vacate the remaining residents and demolish what was left of the town. Yeah. In March 2011, a federal judge refused to issue an injunction that would have stopped the condemnation. The borough council still had regular meetings as of 2011. I'm not sure what they could talk about. It was reported that the town's highest hey, bill... Hey, Bob, the ground's still burning? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the highest bill at the meeting reported on came from the PPL Corporation, a power utility, at $92, and the town's budget was in the black. I, I don't know how they can... There's nobody there. Maybe that's why. I don't know. In February of 2012, the Commonwealth Court ruled that a declaration of taking could not be reopened or set aside on the basis that the purpose for the condemnation no longer exists. Seven people, including the borough council president, had filed suit claiming that the condemnation was no longer needed because the underground fire had moved and the air quality in the borough 
was the same as that in Lancaster. Okay, probably because they say it like this up north. Lancaster. Yeah. In the south, it's Lancaster. Sorry. In October 2013, the remaining residents, you know, what, the five of them? Yep. Um, settled their lawsuit, receiving... 218000 in compensation for the value of their homes, along with $131,500 to settle additional claims and the right to stay in their homes for the rest of their lives. But, 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 once they are dead, the buildings go back to the government. And like, I'm assuming they'll be knocked once, over there. Once the owners have passed away, the land is not given over to the next of kin. Right. It goes to... Not the, inheritable. Yeah, it, it cannot be inherited. In April 2020, amidst the early part of COVID, mm-hmm. the property's current owners made the decision to cover over the graffiti art on the highway, the section of old Route 61. Yeah. Route or route? Route, route, same thing. Several mounds of dirt were laid over the area, thus ending a decades-long fascination with the desolate stretch of road. Mm -hmm. I think that's just not very cool. Well, I mean, they did it because they were constantly getting people showing up. and As sort of one of those kind of dark tourist areas? Yeah, and now... Including Grim Life. (laughs) And now it is illegal to walk that dirt path. Illegal? Illegal. There There are no trespassing signs on that dirt path all over the place. And it's not because they're being assholes about it. It's because they've noticed that the dirt piles are starting to collapse. The highway is starting to give. Oh. Yes. Well, that's not good. I have a long list of references, I guess, where Centralia has been used. Yes. Um, It's the model for many different fictional ghost towns and manifestations of hell. Yeah. Prominent examples include Dean Koontz's Strange Highways and David Wellington's Vampire Zero. Yep. Screenwriter Roger Avery researched Centralia while working on the screenplay for the Silent Hill film adaptation. Yeah. In 1982, PBS documentary Centralia Mindfire contains interviews with residents and relates the story of the Mindfire. Though someone did, dis- Bill Bryson, an author, described Centralia as the strangest, saddest town I believe I have ever seen. I'm I'm gonna have to agree with him. In his 1998 travel book, A Walk in the Woods. Um, the town that a... was, the town that was, is a oh, great yeah. documentary. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it came out in 2007. It's a documentary called "The Town That Was." Interesting. And it's all about Centralia. It goes into the past and how everything. It's 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 crazy. Okay, curiously, the setting of the 1991 film "Nothing But Trouble," starring mm-hmm. Chevy Chase, which I've heard he's a lot of trouble, yeah. and Dan Aykroyd, was set in a fictional town, Valkenvania, based on Centralia. That I was unaware of. And there's a song, Perpetual Flame of Centralia, featured on the 2021 album Sinner Get Ready by Lingua Ignota, derives both its title and lyrical themes from the town and its mind fire. Yep. Okay, so I've come to the end of my history, my theories, all the bureaucracy. Yes. And so now I all the dry stuff. So, so now I suppose you want to hear about it now. What's it like to actually go there? Well... I mean, I've seen video. Now, I've seen mind, tidbits here When and there. we first got there, the first time I ever saw Centralia, it was raining. Okay, w- give us a time. How, when was this? What year? This was 2009, 2010. Okay, so that's kind of a long time ago. Yep. Um, what time of year? Do you remember? It was middle of winter. Okay. But it was raining. Yeah, winter up in Pennsylvania. Got to be chilly. It was, it was very cold. Because we hadn't quite gotten into because the depths was, of global weirding yet. It, it, but it was it was sort of that sleet rain mix oh. where it just kind of everything bounces off of you or soaks you. Unpleasant. So when we show up, the guy that we were with at the time, he his grandfather had done work in Centralia. So he was serving as kind of a 
sort tour of a guide? tour guide, yeah, okay. because he had I had never heard of it until this, and and he's like, hey, y'all want to go to this really crazy town? And I was like, crazy town, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> okay, so 2009 or 10, yeah. Were there any buildings still yes, there? Yes, there were uh, about six or seven buildings left, including the church. Okay. So when we show up, you you see these what I can only describe as just abandoned buildings as you're going by. It's like not Centralia. When you're going into Centralia, there's just old buildings where people have just up and moved away. Right. But as you're crossing the line into Centralia, everything changes. Changes. Like there are woods everywhere as you're driving through, and then you kind of break this, I guess you want to say cone. (sighs) You go through it, and all of a sudden, there's no trees. It's just grass. And there are... like rocks just jutting out of the ground and it's just desolate so it's like there's this magic bubble of just desolate weirdness yes and when we got there we drove i'd say about four minutes into this this bubble and the guy got out and he goes i want to show you something and of course back then i was still a smoker so i I was like I, i started smoking a cigarette and he goes wait 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 before you do that hold on hand me a match and he takes this match, and he walks over to a rock, and he puts it down on the rock. And the okay. match ignites. Oh, wow. And then he takes and he lights my cigarette. <laughs> and he tosses the match onto the rock, and the rest of the match burns. So, obviously, you would not want to sit down on the rocks just to take a rest. Exactly. Oof. It's Everything was hot. Like, ridiculously warm. As you're walking, like, you would expect, you're like, it's cold out. I need a jacket. Not in there. In Pennsylvania. In, in Pennsylvania. In the winter. It was, like, not there because just the air that sat near the ground was so warm that I guarantee you when we got there, it was 40 degrees outside. In this little bubble, it was like 60. If I'm guessing, Pennsylvania in the winter is probably colder than 40 degrees. Yeah. But, you know, we're Southerners. That sounds really cold to us. So, I mean, it, there there is a big difference there. You've mentioned to me in the past when talking about this that, like, animals in the area have sort of figured out about... That was, I mean, they've had plenty of time we, now. We, we, um, when we went back a second time because the first time we were only there for a couple hours. We got to see around. He drove us around, showed us things. He is didn't it want. safe to be there for very long? Uh, I'm well, going to guess not. It's uh, maybe not Chernobyl dangerous, but depending you. <laughs> on it's, it's one of those things of depending on where you go, you have to watch your step and you have to be on guard because at any given moment the ground can just drop out from underneath you. Yeah, no, thank you. Yes. What about the air quality? It didn't seem any different to me. Okay. It just seemed warmer. But okay. then again, we never went around any of the vents or anything. Gotcha. I mean, that probably would be dangerous. So we were only there for a couple hours the first time. We had to drive back. It was just. You you know, it wasn't a long thing. Right. The second time we went, we were opting to camp there, and we were going to camp on the highway. That sounds like an incredibly bad idea. Please note that I said we're going to camp on the highway, not okay. did. <laughs> <laughs> did somebody come along to disabuse you of this idea? No, 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 no. Well, there were there were people there, and I mean, they didn't seem like you know the the hardcore jerks or anything like that. Just people walking the highway, mm-hmm. and. We had our tents on our backs, and as we stopped, there was a couple, uh, a guy and a girl walking through, and they were like, you might not want to do that. And we were like, oh, is it is it illegal? And they're like, well, not really. It's just one of the things of the heat is drawing in these animals. The wildlife is coming to the heat. When it gets cold, they will collectively go to Centralia, where the ground is warmer, <laughs> where the plant life is not getting snowed on, and if it is, it's just melting away. Huh. Yes. So, what? okay... 
I have like Bambi. Are we talking deer, bears? I don't even know what's in Pennsylvania. We're talking deer, bears, wolves, you name it. Okay. Why do I have a feel like, okay, we're all cold, so we're just going to be chill yeah. and cool while we're in the warm zone. It's a detente. So we somehow I don't heeded think really the words of these strangers and decided we were going to get a hotel. But <laughs> on the way back, a little safer. The on the way don't back, come it's there. like a we we did like a three mile hike down the highway. Oof. Now um, is this the almost, graffiti highway? Yes, and almost to the other end of the highway because it's not a very long one. It's just sort of a bypass. Mm-hmm. So as we're nearing where we had parked the car. We just kind of look over and notice that there's this whatever kind of collective deer run in. A herd, a flock. A herd, a pack, (laughs) a flock, a murder, whatever it is. Um, And they're just all just laying on the ground. Just chilling. Or not, since it's warm. Yeah. And and we were just like, huh, they were not wrong. And, you know, we got to walk around. We got to see the church. I saw two graveyards while I was there. Each each graveyard, they have multiple vents sticking out of them. There are points in which you can look at the graves and notice the graves have collapsed. Ooh. Yeah, so, like, you'll walk by, like, you can see where the coffin itself has fallen in and it's just opened this hole. Are we saying that they've, like, just shot down from their grave into the mine below? Yes, oh, at least a couple of them. Oh, boy. That's interesting. I hadn't thought that was a thing that could yeah. happen. And and I'll say it again. Centralia is not as... It's not the, the number one most haunted city in the United States. It's not. It's sad and it's lonely. And it seems... Uh, what? Uh, the victim of circumstance, I guess? Yeah. Of just kind of... Would you consider it incompetence or just a weird... It's an amalgamation of everything. Just from weird circumstances? From incompetence to bureaucracy to coincidence. It's just... It, it everything the stars aligned for the city to burn. Wow, I don't know. That just is rough. It 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 really is, and I want to go back just because it's something that you will never forget when you see it. I know that. I've I um I if we ever go international, there's a a town I want to talk about. Um, in France, Orador, oh, where you told me about yeah, this one, yeah, where it just the whole town was obliterated. But it's just such an odd thing when you go into a town that, for some reason, is completely abandoned. Yeah, I, I mean, and and it's just. Though when, fortunately, I guess with Centralia, it's not that everyone was you know decimated. They just had to leave. They, everybody had to leave, and that's why it's not haunted. Like no one died from this fire, which no, is kind of amazing. If not you think about one it. person died from. The, the this fire. Now, I imagine people have died there for years because they have like 17 graveyards there. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, As yes. I said, it has the normal amount of ghosts or whatever like, that it Like, if it is the most haunted city in the U.S., it ain't because of the coal fire. <laughs> it has its usual ghost per living citizen yes. ratio, I guess. I don't Spirit know what that would per be. capita, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. the way I describe it is imagine walking through something and seeing it and going, I could totally see what this would have been or what this uh-huh. was. But now it's just this husk of what it used to be. There are several... Well, okay, when I used to drive down to Florida to see you, and this is true kind of all over the South, there are areas where you can tell they used to be fairly prosperous, and then something happened, and it just all went downhill, and you just see, you know, abandoned buildings and empty spaces, and you could tell it used to be really nice, and yep. and now it's not, and it's kind of, it's both sad and fascinating. Yep. 
I know my youngest, he loves to go with his new Polaroid, that's a thing now, and take pictures of abandoned buildings, and, and I don't know, he just finds that fascinating. Yeah, I, I imagine I, that at some point Ty will earn his Urbex name. <laughs> Maybe, because it can be rather cool. Yeah, I just, I, again... Centra- Silent Hill is scary. Silent Centralia is not. <laughs> Centralia is not scary. I have to admit, I don't know what Silent Hill is about. I just assume it's a horror thing. It is. Okay. But Centralia is not scary. It's not haunted. It's not like you're being accosted or raped by ghosts wherever you go. You just kind of have to hope that when you step on the ground it stays there yeah it's that it's, part would be a little scary like as you're reasons. walking as you're walking down the streets you have streets you have sidewalks and then you have what used to be a house sort of what the archaeologist would say a series of low walls that's that's exactly what it is and you just kind of walk through and you're looking at all these and it's almost i think like, i've seen drone footage and such of people going over and you can see where the plots where things were yeah it's it's almost like grass. you can see like people walking down the road and like imagine star lord in the first Gal- guardians of the galaxy when he turns on the machine he could see what it used to be like it's sort of like that you can just imagine what the city w- was mm-hmm. as you're walking down the roads because everything little town it's just so i mean everything is so distinctive that was a store that was a house that was you know mm-hmm. and you could you you know what they were but it's no longer there it's just gone which in and of itself that's very I don't know, sad and forlorn feeling. It, it really is. It's no longer a city. It's the corpse of a city. Well, and I mean, we do have quite a lot of ghost towns in our country, but most of them are in the kind of Midwest where... I wouldn't even I wouldn't even classify Centralia as a ghost town. Really? It's no longer a town. It is an open field with, with, roads. with roads and sporadic growth and vents. That's fascinating. The whole, the whole story to me is not creepy. It's sad. Would you go back? Absolutely. If if we could, if we can. It's it's not some when you see it, it's not something that you forget. Oh, I bet not. So it's it is haunting in its own way, but it's, just not it's, in the it's ghosty very, way. It's just seeing the town is very haunting. Now I know that we're supposed to cover creepy and seeing it. Yes, it's creepy. Hearing the story about it, yes, it's creepy. But going there and expecting to find monsters and ghosts and aliens or whatnot, you're not going to. You're going to find a very lonely plot of land. Well, as we have often said, we define spooky kind of in our own terms. I don't know. I think a place that used to be a thriving town that is now completely empty, that's kind of spooky. You know, it doesn't have to be scary, but I do think, you know, abandoned and empty, that qualifies. Yeah. And we're still Southern, so there goes our name. Yeah. So would you advise people who live, I guess, nearer to check it out? I would say... Are they able to? I would say yes. I would at least, if you can't go see it, look it up. I know there are lots for, of YouTube videos out there for of people our having gone. For our listeners who can't go to Pennsylvania, i.e. people overseas to. or aren't likely to, people you know that are too far away, look up Centralia because just the story alone is it's kind of spooky. It's kind of sad. And in that way, there is sort of, especially with the reclaiming of nature, there's that haunting beauty to it. Oh, absolutely. I do like the way that looks. Yep. Well, do you think we've come to the end? I think we've come to the end. So, our lovies, our little spooky friends... Here we are at the end of another one, probably the first one of 2023. We hoped you enjoyed hearing about the town on fire, Yep, Centralia, Pennsylvania. Mind you, we didn't dare cover this in the heat of summer, for at least us. Our summers can get up to about 110 on average. Yeah. That would be cruel. That's 110 Fahrenheit. Yes. So, 
we decided to record it at least while we're having the biggest blizzard we've had in a long time. Let us know if there are other places out and about you'd like us to touch on. I mean, we do prefer to stay in the South, but, you know, sometimes there's just cool stuff that happens elsewhere. We have to admit that. Yeah. Yep. So for now, I guess Happy New Year. We hope you'll continue to check us out. We would always remind you of our Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Indeed. We have no idea at the point of this recording what we'll be doing next, you know, what our next episode is, but we do have some good ones lined up Mm -hmm. in the coming months. And maybe eventually we'll actually post something about the Lawson Part (laughs) 2. We don't know when we'll get to that. There's just so much (laughs) stuff going on with that right now. Yeah. It was not a great recording, and we apologize, but we'll figure something out. In the meantime, I am your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. And we are about to head to the beach for the weekend, where we hope to find maybe some more material for you. But in the meantime, bye, Bye, y'all. Yeah, if we ever go to Centralia, remind me to take you to Ray's. Ray's? Ray's. It's right outside Centralia. Best burgers in the world. Knock your socks off. Drop you right to the floor. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I had to go there. I'm sorry. No, you're not.